Hello and welcome back to West Bank Bible Church Podcast. I'm Dave here with Pastor Merritt. Today we will be on Lesson 28 in the Book of Daniel. I encourage you to follow along in the outline, which you can find on westbankbiblechurch.com. But before we begin, as is our custom, let's remember 1 John 1, nine as may or may not be necessary. Pastor Merritt. We have previously taught... Uh the book of John and made emphasis on 1 John 1, 9 since in that particular verse it says if we confess our sins homologeo in the Greek simply name the sin to God uh, we will be filled with the Spirit and that's the mouthful there, filled with the Spirit, which means in the case of learning, we're going to be taught. We're going to be taught by God, the Holy Spirit. And He's forgiving our sins because we name our sins, cite them to God. And uh, the Father takes over from there and will train us as uh, he sees fit. Well, here we go. Last week, we looked at verse 35 and read you several excerpts from leading ecological treatises. And when time expired, we were about to give you several points or summary points of Daniel 2.35. Let's review the expanded translation, though, Daniel verse 31 through 35 in chapter 2. When you saw, O king, was this, or what you saw, O king, was this, there before you stood a great statue. This great image was awesome in brightness. Its colorful appearance signified several future glamorous empires. Its form was terrifying, a symbol of the great power of the empires to come. The golden head represented you, O king, as ruler of Chaldea. The breast and arms of silver represent the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. To follow and the belly and thighs of bronze represent a Grecian empire whose kingdom will supplant the Medo-Persians. The legs of the image were made of iron representing the Roman Empire and the feet were made of both iron and clay representing the revived Roman Empire. Then you saw a large uncut stone rolled down a steep grade. It struck the base of the image and the iron and clay were smashed into many pieces. The stone represented Jesus Christ in his second advent role. As a result of the stone striking the image, the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold were broken into pieces and a great wind blew them away. Not a trace of the shards could be found. And the large uncut stone, a representation of Jesus Christ, became a great mountain and filled the entire earth. His rulership was recognized by all nations of the world. So the summary points, the revived Roman Empire with headquarters in Rome and led by the Antichrist is defeated by Christ at his second advent. There is a short period of judgment and carnage removal and then the millennium is established, a perfect 1,000-year reign of Christ. 
believing saints from the Gentile age, the age of Israel, some from the kingdom age, and the saints of the tribulation will first inhabit the earth in Christ's perfect kingdom, properly called the millennium. Church-age believers will live in the heavenly New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven and resting above the earth during the millennium. You can see how the ages look in the chart below, and that's if you have the outline up. But it goes from Adam all the way to the great white throne, and we encourage you to take a look. The baptism of fire takes place at the second advent when Christ judges who is worthy to enter the millennium. Those judged at his judgment will be those who lived in the Gentile age, the age of Israel, kingdom age, and the tribulation. All will have to answer the question, did you believe in the Christ? Salvation is every age is product of faith alone and Christ alone. There will be severe judgments for unbelievers at the second advent. The unbelievers will be cast into the torment side of Sheol will come later. More about the order of the resurrections and a schematic of Sheol will come later. There will also be a wedding supper at which time church-age believers as the bride of Christ will be introduced to believing Israel. The marriage of the church to Christ took place in heaven just after the rapture. Pastor Merritt, let's go to new material with verse 36. Okay, thank you, David. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. I have no idea how the king felt about all that, but I bet he is happy uh, that he was going to find out about this eschatological current events as they will be and uh, that someone knows how to interpret it. I want to repeat and amplify for emphasis several points I earlier made about the image. From the head to the toes, the material used decreased in intrinsic value. This is analogous, it would seem, to the manifest decadence of the nations represented. It is interesting to note the proponents of evolution contend that Homo sapiens are constantly improving. Uh, and looking in our particular nation at this time, I wonder how they can continue to hold such a position. <laughs> This is not only antithetical to what the Bible teaches, but historical records work against such supposition and in fact tend to disprove the theory. From the first man, Adam, to the present time, man has been in a steady state of degeneration. True, we live in the most highly technical and advanced society the world has ever known. 
But for all our accomplishments, most of the world still lives in poverty and most of the world suffers from war, pestilence, floods, tornadoes, brutality, political chaos, and general despair. And now for the dream's interpretation, much of which we've covered, because we have covered most of this earlier, I will teach Daniel 2.37 and 38 together. Here we go. First the KJV. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And in the New International Version, here's how Daniel 2.37 and 38 have been translated. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are that head of gold. The emergence excuse me, of the Chaldean Empire began in the mountainous plateau of the southern part of Iran and extended south toward the Arabic Gulf. As time progressed, these industrious people moved from the highlands to the coastal plains, which are called by a few ancient historians as swamps. They soon became well organized, moving out at various times to conquer other peoples. On what has been termed their forays to the north, they eyed the lush Tigris-Euphrates Valley, sometimes called the Fertile Crescent. And at different periods in history, these highlanders actually ruled as kings of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, the father of Nebuchadnezzar, or Nezer, was hired by the Assyrians to defend Chaldea against an invasion of what they often call people of the sea. In verse 37, Daniel makes the application, The God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar, with a well-trained army, marched into the capital city of Babylon in the name of the Assyrian king, but he seized the opportunity to revolt against this royal Assyrian master and put together a new state. 
Nebuchadnezzar established Babylon as capital of a new empire, the Babylonian or Chaldean Empire. I provided you a chart of the Babylonian Empire. And as you can see, it's vast in size and uh, certainly power. Finally, with the help of the Medes and the Scythians, Assyria was defeated and Babylon reigned supreme over most, most of the civilized world. Nebuchadnezzar succeeded his father as king. Under his leadership, the empire reached its zenith, the head of gold. Several kings would follow Nebuchadnezzar, some good, some bad. In about 556 B.C., a co-regency of Nabonidus and Belshazzar is defeated. Medo-Persian alliance ending what the world knows today and in fact often marvels over the Babylonian Empire. Now let's go to verse 39 where Daniel speaks of two empires which will follow Babylon. Daniel 2.39 And I shall read, And after thee shall arise another kingdom, inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear the rule over all the earth. After you, another king will rise inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom out of bronze will rule over the whole earth. During the rise and decline of the Chaldeans, two main forces were constantly striving for ascendancy, the Medes and the Persians, the arms of the image. The leaders of each of these nations were actually cousins who were sometimes hostile to each other, but most always hostile to outsiders. About the same time that Belshazzar was made co-regent with his father Nabonidus, Cyrus the Great of Persia was conquering the Medes the Medes had previously ruled as overlords of the Iranian plateau just northwest of Babylon. In 546 B.C., Cyrus seized Sardis. You may remember when we studied uh, Revelation, we mentioned the church of Sardis. Okay, C. Sardis, capital of the wealthy Croesus of Lydia. In 539 B.C., Cyrus 
swept into the crescent and took Babylonia. It would seem Babylon surrendered with scarcely a fight and the head of gold was toppled. The great powerful Persian Empire was consolidated. The breast of Syria, excuse me, silver. It's the Persian Empire, and I've put a map up in our lesson plan, and of course it's also in our West Bank Bible Church uh, lessons. The Persian Empire, as you can see, it's pretty, it's very vast. All right, so take a look at it and study it as much as you delight. Many, including the Jews, welcomed Silas. After all, Isaiah, in Isaiah 45, verses 1 and 2, had said, quote, Thus said the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. All right, David, how about you take it over with point nine? We have every reason to believe Cyrus accepted Christ as Savior. Keep in mind, Old Testament folks became Christians just the same way we do. Faith alone and Christ alone. It's just that saints from the age of the Gentiles, the age of Israel, look forward to coming to Christ, or the coming of Christ. God, the Holy Spirit, recall, does and has always made salvation doctrine clear. Cyrus the Great is mentioned in several scriptures. Second Chronicles chapter 36, verse 22 and 23. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus, thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given me, and he hath charged me to build him an house in Jerusalem, which is in Judea. Who is there among you of all his people? The Lord his God be with him, and let him go up. Ezra chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judea. Ezra, again, 
chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. Also Cyrus, the king, brought forth the vessels of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had brought forth out of Jerusalem and had put them in the house of his gods. Even those did Cyrus, king of Persia, bring forth by the hand of Mithredath, the treasurer, and numbered them to Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. Ezra 3, 7. They gave money also unto the masons and to the carpenters and meat and drink and oil unto them of Zidon and to them of Tyre to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the city of Joppa according to the grant that they had of Cyrus, king of Persia. Ezra 4.3 and 4.5 But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, Ye have nothing to do with us to build an house unto our Lord, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us, and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Ezra 5, 13, 14, and 17 of chapter 5. But in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Babylon, the same king Cyrus made a decree to build this house of God. And the vessels also of gold and silver of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took out of the temple that was in Jerusalem and brought them into the temple of Babylon. Those did Cyrus the king take out of the temple of Babylon and they were delivered unto one whose name was Sheshbazar, whom he had made governor. Now therefore, if it seem good to the king, let there be made in the king's treasure house, which is there at Babylon, whether it be so that a decree was made of Cyrus the king to build this house of God at Jerusalem. And let the king send his pleasure to us concerning this matter. Ezra 6.3 In the first year of Cyrus the king, the same Cyrus, the king made a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be built, the place where they offered sacrifices, and let the foundations thereof be strongly laid, the height thereof three score cubits, and the breadth thereof three score cubits. Ezra 6.14 And the elders of the Jews builded, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai, the prophet of Zechariah, the son of Edo. And they built and finished it, according to the commandment of God of Israel, and according to the commandment of Cyrus, and Darius, Artaxerxes, king of Persia. Isaiah forty four twenty eight. That saith of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and shall perform all my pleasure. 
even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple the foundation shall be laid. Isaiah 45, 1. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings, to open before him the two livid gates, and the gates shall not be shut. Daniel one twenty one, And Daniel continued, even unto the first year of King Cyrus. And 6.28, So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus of the Persian. And Daniel 10.1, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. Now let's take a look at the third kingdom, the kingdom of bronze or brass. Daniel 2, 39, second half of the verse. And a third kingdom of brass, which bear the rule over all the earth. As Persia gradually declined, the peoples of the south were gaining strength. The belly and thighs of brass of verse 22 introduced the Greco-Macedonian Empire. The early Greeks were famous for fighting among themselves. In fact, they liked nothing better than the challenge of individual combat or small group fighting. They had a genius for warfare and could probably have conquered the world, but there was no motivation to do so. Now all of this changed when Philip II of Macedon, brother of the king, returned from Thebes, where he had been held in, as a hostage his political marriage to Olympias ultimately made Philip king. While in Egypt, he observed the value of new military ideas in organization and tactics. When called to the throne, he had already organized a military force in accordance with his own ideas. Philip also seemed to possess good business sense, and his judicious management of the gold mines of Macedonia ensured ample funds for expeditions of conquest. When a son, Alexander, was born to Philip and the beautiful redhead Olympias of Epirus, he received the finest training and education available. His mother supposedly told Alexander he was a descendant from Hercules, 
and destined for greatness. His dad, we are told, repeatedly told him he was destined to rule an empire and he was admonished not to be satisfied with just maintaining his father's empire. In spite of having Aristotle as a teacher, Alexander was a poor student and it was assumed that he would not amount to very much. Now that's a reference to Alexander who would later be known as Alexander the Great. Philip had maneuvered, married, and conquered until he was, through a signed treaty, ruler of most of what he called Greece. When he was mysteriously assassinated, Alexander took the throne at age 20. There are those who believe Alexander, in concert with his mother, may have been complicit by excellent administration Alexander proved he was truly brilliant though his earlier grades under the tutelage of Aristotle were less than spectacular alright David I see we got another map here the Greek Empire wow as you can see it's quite vast and made up of various segments each one having their own king who ruled the particular area where they of course you can see they were the kingdoms were named by Cassander or excuse me ruled by Cassander Lysimachus Antigonus, Ptolemy, and Seleucus. And we will hear more of them later. But you can certainly keep these various kings in mind, and some are far more powerful than others, and that we will note. All right, the young king, Alexander we're talking about now, had been taught by his mother, that he was the son of Hercules and he had a destiny to fulfill. Soon Alexander had a magnificent army ready to redeem several earlier losses to the Persians. In 334, that is 334 B.C., Alexander began his conquest against the Persians is during this time he began to be called Alexander the Great. As his army set out, it was accompanied by geographers, botanists, special steppers to measure the distances, and Alexander went forth not to just conquer but to study and to record and to learn. His campaigns of Asia Minor 
Palestine and Egypt were successful. In Palestine, at Jerusalem, Alexander was met by the resident priests and shown the early prophecies of Daniel where he had been pictured as the third kingdom of brass which shall bear the rule over all the earth. You can find that in Daniel chapter 2. The leopard with wings of chapter 7 and the goat who conquered the ram in chapter 8. Needless to say, the young king at age 21 was most impressed by the fact that earlier writings had featured him, the very man himself. As a result, Alexander showed Israel deference, taking many Jewish administrators with him as he fought his way eastward across Iraq, Iran, and Pakistan in hot pursuit of the Persians. The old Persian Empire was completely neutralized, and with the death of Darius III, the breast and arms of silver were succeeded on the scene of history by the stomach of brass. Alexander the Great had arrived just as the scriptures predicted he would. Alexander the Great was just about ready to let us all know just how great he was. Okay, David, now you take over. All right, we're going to stop right there. That's the uh, bottom of page 9. We'll be beginning on page 10 right there at the top next week. We sure thank you for being here. We enjoyed spending the time. Look forward to it next week. Pastor Merritt, could you close us in a prayer? Sure. Father, thank you for giving us so much information about ancient history and the relationship they have with you. Straightforward truth and uh, predictions of Christ to come. So guide us now and direct us as we continue to study about Oh, Daniel himself. And there will be so many wonderful adventures that this guy will go through. And I can hardly wait, David, until uh, we get there. Not only have we seen him interpret dreams for more than one king, we also have are going to see how he can handle the lions, <laughs> of course, with the help of God Almighty. All right, David. Look forward to continuing this study and uh, all the many wonderful things that he's going to prophesy about, which will come true. 
Alrighty. Until next time. So long.